Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews. Shopping tips. Driving green. Electric cars. Classic cars. And plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right, I am Tom Appel, and this is episode 97 of the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, when you get a chance, please check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. While you're there, check out our Best Buy picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you're looking for a new car or truck. You also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles we're driving here at Consumer Guide and all sorts of other fun stuff. And you can catch up on back episodes of the podcast right there on our homepage. All right, she's the managing editor of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, and her freelance work can be found all over the internet. Hey, Jill Silmanillo. Hey, Tom Appel. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I am doing pretty good. Uh, ask me what I'm driving. What are you driving? I am driving the Lincoln Corsair. Ooh, I like the Lincoln Corsair. Do you? I do, actually. Okay, well, we need to talk about this vehicle at some point because I am very mixed about how I feel about this car. It is mostly incredibly refined. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe this is where a lot of people want to be, but I don't find it very rewarding to drive. So there's a lot going on here. It's very nice, it's very polished, it's very smooth, and it's surprisingly roomy for its size. Uh, But I don't know where I stand. Also, it's expensive. Well, it's a Lincoln. That's true, and and Lincolns have gotten (laughs) expensive. But I don't mean just by luxury standards. I mean, it's kind of expensive for a a small crossover, even in the segment. Got it. Okay. All right. Hey, Jill. Yes? We goofed up a little last week. (laughs) This seems to be a recurring theme. (laughs) (laughs) What what did we do this time? (laughs) Well, this is only broadcast listeners. So if you were listening to WCPT, we accidentally broadcast the first half of the previous week's show. That means that you missed our conversation about Jaguar and the future of that brand. You don't want to miss that. If you want to catch that, you can listen on WCPT's SoundCloud, uh, SoundCloud player, or you can download it any place. Because, because the point of all that is Jaguar does have a future, right? Does it? <laughs> that would be the question, right? Okay. And, and you would need to listen to find out. You do. Jill, that was an excellent tease. <laughs> People are now running to download that episode. They should. They should, in fact. <laughs> all right. He's the senior editor here at Consumer Guide, and his band, Stays Crunchy in Milk, is available to play your bar mitzvah or a high school reunion. Welcome, Damon Bell. <laughs> I do not have a band named Stays Crunchy in Milk, though I am a big proponent of cereals that stay crunchy in milk. I appreciate crunchy. Ce- <laughs> I appreciate a cereal that can withstand uh, milk saturation for at least a little bit of time. <laughs> but, but so I, I just want to say the fact that you're saying that you do not have a band called blank means that you do actually have a band. Um, I do not have a band of <laughs> okay. any name whatsoever, let alone Stays Crunchy in Milk. No, I did have a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch this morning that did a decent job of staying crunchy in milk if you eat it fast. Now, <laughs> would, would you have cinnamon toast crunch in your house if you didn't have children? 
we we didn't before we did but i enjoyed enough that i probably well oh, that that's a question that can't be answered tom possibly not <laughs> but actually that's one of the side benefits of having kids is it has allowed me to rediscover cinnamon toast crunch although i think my wife uh restricts cinnamon toast crunch to a weekend cereal for the kids because <laughs> oh. it's a little bit more sugary a little bit more junk foody my daughter is something of a, of a cereal connoisseur, and she has ordered oh, cereal. Okay. I kid you not, she has ordered cereal from Korea. Um, <laughs> all very good. But Cinnamon Toast Crunch is at the top of her list. It's good stuff. I know they had kind of offshoots, like there was, I don't know, powdered sugar toast. There's there's ulti- there's different variations of it, and they'll seem to come and go, but the, the Cinnamon Toast Crunch is a mainstay. And that's, as cereals go, I think Cinnamon Toast Crunch is a fairly recent innovation. You know, oh, yeah. corn, they had cornflakes in the teens and 1900s and stuff, but Cinnamon Toast Crunch, I don't remember being introduced until the 80s at some point. Now, in a conversation before we went on air, and because I love to talk about cereal instead of cars, uh, <laughs> I had noted that I didn't understand the point of cereal staying crunchy if you were dumping it in milk, which led to Jill talking about a device she had just patented yes. to, to serve people who want their cereal sort of soggy. Uh, Jill, yes. please explain. Oh, yes. So this is this is my million dollar idea for the day, because, of yeah. course, I come up with one of those every day um, and, and I still don't make a million dollars. But um, no, I, I think you need to have a milk spritzer. So you fill like buy a spray bottle, fill it with milk, leave it in your refrigerator. And, and if you are looking for like soggy adjacent cereal, so something that's a little bit damp, but not like completely <laughs> soggy, you just spray, you know, the top of the uh, cereal and then you can eat it and then you spray the next layer and so then you have your complete like wet adjacent i have I it's have the right strange, amount of spritzing i have this image in my head jill of you eating cinnamon toast crunch with a tweezer and spritzing <laughs> each each piece individually i was gonna say each strand of each uh I, I forget how cinnamon toast crunch is i was i was a quaker oat squares girl myself when i did eat cereal uh, but yeah yeah it could be <sighs> Hey, anyway, today's show... Cars. Back to to cars. Let's talk about what we've got on the show today. Our our guest today is Jamie Page Deaton. This is going to be a great conversation. Jamie is the executive editor of the U.S. News Best Cars team. That's uh, U.S. News and World Report. And we're going to have her on to talk about their latest batch of picks for the best cars for teens. Uh, So that will be a fun conversation. I actually have some questions for Jamie about that because she is a mom herself so we'll have some good information for uh, uh, parents who might uh, need to get their teenager uh, their first car um, uh, there and then but before that guys let's you guys have seen the news reports about the whole GM Chevy Bolt EV battery recall yeah let's talk about that basically the the recall has been expanded to include every Bolt EV and the new EUV that uh, GM has made thus far due to uh, the potential uh, risk for fires. There have been at least a handful of bolts that have started on fire without an impact. Obviously a very concerning situation. Um, And GM is kind of pointing to the battery packs for the Bolt, which are made by a company called LG. So uh, pretty big recall, pretty uh, 
ticklish situation here all around. What have you guys seen about that? Yeah, this is a bummer for GM because they're rolling into their new electric era, right? And mm -hmm. their first electric vehicle was something of a success, if not a sales success. It was largely well regarded. It was the best-selling EV that wasn't a Tesla. And it was sort of the first long-range EV from a major manufacturer that wasn't Tesla. So it was kind of a big deal. And I think that people who owned them liked them. General Motors was doing pretty well with them. And there weren't a whole lot of problems until, of course, they started to <laughs> burst into flames, which <laughs> big problem kind, kind of a problem yeah kind of a problem but the thing now that is so interesting about this recall um, it, it, is that General Motors which we need to talk a little bit about its relationship with LG Chem. General Motors is really actively blaming LG Chem in the media, talking about it's 100% their fault. They expect them to pay the full cost of this total recall, which is estimated to be almost $2 billion, and, and saying that they don't believe that LG Chem has the wherewithal to fix this. This is some incredibly strong language, and it's really perplexing for this interesting reason. General Motors has partnered in a huge way with LG Chem. LG Chem built the batteries for the Chevrolet Volt with a V. They built the batteries for the Bolt EV, the vehicle we're talking about now. And now General Motors has partnered with LG Chem to build two factories, one near Lordstown, Ohio, and one near Spring Hill, Tennessee, where they intend to build vehicles. Uh, the Cadillac Lyric's going to come out of Spring, Spring Hill. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit confused about what's happening here. And, and Damien, you and I talked about this a little bit, and you had some thoughts. Yeah, they. I mean, they, they they have to have the the maintain that partnership going forward. They um, have to. Yeah, and it, it is an interesting stance uh, that the GM has taken with with LG. Uh, one way or the other, they're going to work it out. Um, but at this point, there is not a, a hard uh, fixed date in sight. And GM mm -hmm. has also said it's not even going to start to fix the uh, affected bolts that are out there in owner hands until they get to the bottom of what the problem is. And that's a very uh, you know uncertain feeling that you would have to have as an, an owner where the my car could possibly start on fire and you can't tell me when uh, that potential is going to be removed. Uh, that's unsettling. And I think GM is doing the best it can in the circumstances. They have uh, assured that the existing Bolt owners, they, they have told them to follow um, you know, change their their processes for charging. One, this is a little draconian, really, because this affects the usability of the vehicle. But, yes, definitely. Right, right. And depending on, yeah, it, it could affect a serious change depending on how the owners are using their cars. But we should mention those parameters that GM has told yeah, yeah. Uh, Bolt EV, Bolt and Bolt EV and Bolt EUV owners. There have got to be at least a couple of those, a few of those out there too. But those are the brand new 2022 Bolts. Uh, that are also affected by this recall. Uh, GM is saying to keep the car charged only to 90%. That is something that you can change a setting in the vehicle software to do that. So instead of going that last 10% and charging all the way to full, which I think regardless of electric vehicle, that is kind of the more tricky part of the charging process. Right. Um, they're saying to avoid depleting the battery below 70 miles. Uh, the the Bolt 
the bolt's range is about 250 miles. So that could potentially affect the owners. And that is essentially necessitate necessitating charging the vehicle more often. <laughs> and then finally, the, the kind of one of the most unnerving things, don't park it in a garage or <laughs> charge it overnight. Right. Uh, so, Which is what you're supposed to do with an, a, an electric vehicle yeah, is park yeah. it in a garage and charge it overnight. That right. is exactly what you expect most people to be doing. <laughs> right. Well, you know, That's and I want to charger. <laughs> I want to back up a little bit, too, because, you know, we're, we're talking about the fact that, um, you know, the Bolt EV has been like recalled and, and we were talking offline. We called it like the biggest recall, but we're only talking about 100,000 vehicles because I think that's about all that GM has produced so far. And that's and, true. Uh, that's true. But the magnitude of the repair. I, but, but it's the, not I mean, like, oh, we have to put this new weather stripping true. strap on. It's, they're, they're it's completely a, a very serious, it's swapping the out the entire battery, battery which pack. is a, a colossal undertaking. Yeah. It, it is a colossal undertaking. But here's the other interesting thing about this recall, in my mind, is there have only been three vehicles that have been record, reported to caught, have caught on fire, and they were from the 2017-2019 model year. Right. So they... Re did a recall um, earlier this year on those vehicles specifically because of that, and they have recently then expanded the recall out of you know a, an abundance of caution to the 20 through 22 model years, but there have not been any reports of anything hinky going on with the 20 to 22 models. So, I, I mean, I, I, that, I mean, to me, in addition to the fact that General Motors is throwing LG under the bus, like, I, 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 I figure mm. that is also pretty interesting. And, and, and lest people think, oh my gosh, my vehicle's going to catch on fire, I need to go, like, put it in a bubble right now. I mean, there have only been three reports, and it was for the 2017 to 2019 models so it's not like every single bolt is catching on fire no 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 and and to your point jill i think general motors is acting with quote unquote an abundance of caution yes because i think inconveniencing a lot of bolt owners is probably better for pr than to have another garage go up in flames yes <laughs> yeah even i 100 percent the garage fire is unlikely it's really really bad right but I just I, I didn't want us to, you know, incite a riot or, you know, go all chicken little. I mean, it is a big deal um, and every vehicle is being recalled. Um, and and they I, something else that I read, too, is they're not going to replace. They're going to replace all of the units in the 2017 through 2019 models, but they will only replace affected units in the 20 to the 2022 models. So it's a full like fully replacing, but they're only going to message the people from the 2020 to the 2022 models that are affected. So I, I, I mean, they just don't know what's going on yet, if, even if every vehicle is affected. One of the interesting things, too, here, and we're running out of time, but I wanted to get to this. Uh, green Car Reports, which is an excellent resource if you want to read about green cars and electric vehicles, is reporting that General Motors will be replacing these batteries with better batteries. Yes. And by better, I mean more range. And they're talking about an increased energy capacity of almost 8%, which would extend to the vehicles that receive this new chemistry battery, would, ex would extend their range to almost 280 miles. So if you were inconvenienced, that's kind Kind of a nice swap. Yes. Uh, if you have any questions about your boat, if you happen to own a boat, you can contact your dealer or just contact General Motors directly and find out what's going on with that. Uh, but you do want to be cautious just in case. 
Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we talk to Jamie Page Deaton of U.S. News. Stick around. Hey, it's Tom. Did you know that with Electrify America's vast electric vehicle charging network, you can now drive your EV from coast to coast? And with their ultra-fast charging stations, you'll get back on the road even faster. With more than 650 convenient locations nationwide, just pick your destination and hit the road. Visit electrifyamerica.com and see how Electrify America is bringing freedom to EV drivers. That's electrifyamerica.com. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, and I am delighted you decided to stick around today. When you have a chance, please follow me on Twitter. I am Car Guy Tom. That is Car underscore Guy underscore Tom on Twitter. I promise to entertain. All right. Our guest today is the executive editor of U.S. of the U.S. News uh, Best Cars team. That group has just released its Best Cars for Teens list, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Welcome to the Car Stuff Podcast, Jamie Page Deaton. Jamie, how's it going? It's going great, thanks. Jamie, tell us what your team does at U.S. Uh, U.S. News. All right. So uh, at U.S. News, we launched our car rankings um, back in 2007. And if anybody's familiar with U.S. News and World Report, you probably know us best for our college rankings. But um, really, yeah. we built out a business in ranking pretty much anything you can think of. We rank like the colleges, we rank hospitals, we rank lawyers, we rank doctors. Um, and in 2007, we started ranking cars. And I was on the team that originally launched the rankings. Um, and the way we rank cars is a little bit different. You know, at other publications, um, when they want to do a car ranking, all the editors go out to some track and they beat the heck out of the cars and then they all argue <laughs> about it, you know, over lunch. Um, and while that sounds really, really fun, uh, the way that we do it is we go and we collect and we analyze every published and credible review of a given oh. car. So we have a team of data and that data analysts that are constantly scouring um, sources that we know have strong journalistic ethics, um, good editorial oversight. And we pull those reviews in um, and they actually go through and assign scores to a car on various facets, like how comfortable it is, how it's, you know, how well it handles, um, you know, how good the infotainment system is based on what the reviewers write. Um, and then we combine those scores with safety and reliability data. Our safety data is based on, you know, crash test scores from NHTSA and IIHS. Um, we also take into account available advanced safety features on a car so they can earn extra points by having a lot of those. And then we get reliability data from JD Power associates. And so what we end up with is an overall score for a car that is the consensus opinion of the automotive industry. So instead of having to go and read one publication's take, and then you read another publication's take, and they're saying something totally different, and you don't know how to pull it all together, we've pulled it all together for you. So we know that the average car shopper will look at anywhere between 12 to 18 reviews um, before they buy a car. And um, with our rankings and our reviews, you only need to read one, because we've read all those reviews for you and pull them together in a nice summary to help you make the best buying decisions possible. Do you guys also include your own seat time in those reviews or is it strictly external? 
So we do, but it's mostly external. What we will include with our own seat time is stuff that is potentially left out. Now, I should say the stuff that we include does not impact our scoring at all. But, for example, if one of our editors is out with a car and they notice it's really hard to put a car seat in it, they're going to note that. Um, And that's because what we found is that, you know, for a lot of automotive writers, they aren't necessarily representative of the full spectrum of automotive Mm -hmm. buyers. Um, So we try very hard with our hiring to make sure that we are representing um, and, you know, the people that are that are testing cars for us, making sure that they are representing kind of the full spectrum of automotive buyers. So if we notice something that's not picked up by other reviewers and that we think really um, would impact somebody's ownership experience with the car in a given use case. Now, to be clear, like we're not going to complain about how hard it is, you know, to, to put a car seat in, you know, the Miata. But um, <laughs> like, it is something that, you know, if it is hard to put a car seat, you know, in the F-150 because so many people are using their trucks as, you know, family cars, we're going to put that in. Um, if we're noticing that, like, the, the backup camera, there's lag between when you shift into reverse and when the camera turns on, um, we're going to put that into effect for noticing, let's say, the screen washes out. It's generally stuff that's not noticed, um, that we don't think is noticed by other car reviewers. You know, our offices are in Washington, D.C. and Georgetown, which is a very old part of the city with a lot of narrow streets, um, whereas a lot of other publications, they're not necessarily downtown um, mm-hmm. and, you know, in close in urban areas. So we're testing the cars there quite a bit, um, and that allows us to give people who are going to use the cars in those contexts um, a little bit more information. But I would say, you know, 98% of what you're seeing um, on our site is based on the consensus opinion of the automotive press. And I will also say, too, when somebody wants to include something like that in a review, um, it goes through um, a long process to make sure it's not just them, you know, being cranky about something. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you know, it actually matters to, we think that, you know, it's something that we think would matter to a lot of car buyers. Well, this brings us to a great question then, because you guys have just released your best cars for teen list. Is that also then a composite of of other teen reviews or how did you compile this information? So what we did for that is, um, since we have all these kind of um, component scores, so we have performance scores, which are breaking down, broken down by like handling, braking, acceleration. Um, and then we have interior scores, which are broken down by things like comfort, infotainment. Um, and then, of course, we have the safety and reliability scores. Um, and we also have an overall score, which basically measures how strongly does the car reviewer recommend that people purchase this car. So what since we have all these scores, what we do for the teen awards and really all of our awards is we just start pulling them out and weighting them a little bit differently. So in our main rankings, we have a weighted algorithm that varies by class. So for example, in sports cars, the performance score matters a heck of a lot more than it matters in minivans. Um, what we tend to, what we do for the awards, though, in Best Cars for Teens, is we weight the safety and the reliability scores much, much, much higher than we do for other classes. Not saying that safety and reliability aren't important um, for all drivers, but we know they're particularly important for teen drivers first because we know they're going to make mistakes, and we want them to live through their mistakes so they can learn from them. Um, and then the other thing is we want the car to be reliable because nobody wants to think about, you know, their 17s, you know, broken down, their 17-year-old broken down by the side of the road. Um, but then we also include the overall score, so how, or the overall critics' recommendation score, so how strongly do car critics think you should purchase this car. Um, and we include that because we recognize that 
um, it's a rare parent that's buying a car just for the teenager. We still sure. want these to be cars that people will have a positive ownership experience with, especially if it's a car that's going to be shared between you know the parent and the teen. The other thing that we add in is on this award in particular, the cars can get extra points for having active safety features that have been shown to help teens develop good driving habits um, and also to help parents continue the conversation about how to develop good driving habits, even when the parents aren't in the car. So we're looking at stuff um, stuff like having a smartphone app um, or, you know, like Chevy's MyKey system or Volvo has a similar system now too, where basically are there teen controls so that the parent can see what's going on with the car or limit the car in some way um, to match up with their teen's skills. Um, but we're also looking at features like does it have um, forward collision warning, front automatic braking, lane departure warning, lane keeping assist, all these things that can help either, you know, prevent an accident or at least mitigate the severity of an accident, um, you know, when a teen is behind the wheel. You mentioned those uh, smartphone monitoring apps, and that reminds me of, I was at a Ford event uh, years ago when, when those teen driver systems were kind of first uh, being launched, and they did some research that where they actually polled driving age teenagers and asked them what they thought about uh, those types of monitoring uh, apps. And of course, not surprising to the teens or oh, I don't, I, I had very negative opinions of that. But then they asked the question a different way and they said, okay, what, what, what is your opinion on these apps, these monitoring apps, if the alternative is you not driving the car unattended at all? <laughs> and at that point, the teens' uh, opinion of those apps shot way up. So yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's... Go ahead, These Jamie. apps are things that um, I'm so glad they didn't have while I was a teenager. <laughs> now, I am 100% in favor of them. And like, what people may not know is that they're becoming really, really common. So when we first started doing um, the best cars for teens, it was really only Ford that had teen controls, um, and that was with the the MyKey system. And then right. Hyundai and Kia rolled out their smartphone apps, which allow you to track where the car is, and you can set alerts. So you get a text if the car is driven over a certain speed that you set or outside of a geofenced area that you set um, or past a certain time of night that you set. Um, and those started becoming you know more and more common. So now almost every single automaker um, has a system like this to really help. Um, and you know, this is not just helpful for teens. It's helpful if you have, say, a care, like an elderly parent and a caregiver using the car, you know, maybe to take them to doctor's appointments or something like that. Um, um, but it is really, really helpful. And, you know, I think it's important, though, for people not to use these to play gotcha with their kids, but instead <laughs> to keep the conversation going. So, like, hey, I got a text that the car went over 80 today on, you know, 495. Can you tell me what was going on? That's going to keep the conversation going um, better than, like, give me the keys. I saw you went over 80. You're grounded for, you know, two weeks. If you're asking what's going on and the kid says, well, you know, I was overtaking 
you know, a large truck on the highway and somebody really came up behind me or, you know, a police officer came up behind me, you know, lights and sirens on. So I needed to get around the truck quickly um, and to get out of their way. Or maybe there was a fire truck or something behind me. If there's a good reason, as a parent, you then want to discuss it. Like, all right, so there are a couple of times where you might need to speed, you know, where it's valid to speed a little bit. Um, You know, maybe the flow of traffic was going that way and they didn't want to be, you know, the only car going, you know, 45 when everybody else is going 65 because that can be its own kind of issue. But by keeping the conversation going, you're going to get the kid to trust you and open up about mistakes that they may make. And that's what you really want. You don't want them keeping secrets from you because then you're going to be unable to help them. But if you keep these conversations going, um, you know, it helps the kid to also just drive as if you're always in the passenger seat. And really that's how we want teens to drive as if their parent is always with them. Yeah. Well, you know, so I was looking at your list and I I think it's a great list, by the way. And the one thing that I noticed uh, is Hyundai is a very uh, prolific, uh, it has a very prolific presence on your list. And so I was just wondering if you could talk about why that might be. Yeah, so there were really two surprises this year. One were the number of hybrids that won in the new car category, um, and then the number of slots that Hyundai won. Mm-hmm. Um, so of the nine awards, you know, Hyundai won four of them, um, which I think is, is really impressive. What Hyundai is doing there, first of all, they have um, all of these active safety features that we're looking for. Um, they have team controls. They have, you know, blind spot monitoring. Um, the other thing that they have is they have strong safety scores. So they have provide good crash protection. Um, And then the reliability scores tend to be pretty good um, as well. But one thing that really helps put a lot of these um, over the top was actually the critics' critics recommendation score. Um, So not only are these models, and, you know, I'm talking about, you know, the Hyundai Santa Fe hybrid, the Ionic hybrid, the Elantra hybrid, and the Kona, um, these are all cars that um, reviewers are generally pretty positive about. Um, And, you know, the fact that so many of them are hybrids, I think, will resonate with a lot of teens as well because we know this generation is the one um, that's going to inherit the planet so they care the most about climate change. Um, I also imagine as gas prices go up, you know, they're going to care the most about, you know, their gas budget and and, and that sort of thing. Um, And so Hyundai is just really doing a good job packing their cars full of features but still keeping them something that, you know, a a parent wouldn't mind driving or, or, you know, things that are cars that are going to be good for the teen to own in the long term. Right. And it's like the really interesting thing about your list is you do um, cars, you do SUVs, you break it down by prices. I was wondering if you could just kind of walk us through this year's winners, the 2021 best new cars for teens. Yeah, I'm going to start at the top. And just so everybody knows, um, like our, our highest price is up to $40,000. And we are not suggesting that you go out and buy your teen a $40,000 car. I mean, if you can do that, more power to you. But really, these categories are cars that, you know, if you're buying it for yourself, you know, maybe you have a 12-year-old. And so you could buy this car now and in four years pass it down. These are cars that you're going to enjoy owning, but that also have the safety features that will keep your teen safe. Um, so the best car is a thirty-five dollars to $40,000 
other category is the Toyota Camry Hybrid. Um, and then the best SUV is that Hyundai Santa Fe Hybrid again. Um, the Camry Hybrid, um, I really like as a car for teens because this is a car that, you know, you could potentially, you know, give to a 16-year-old. They'll be able to take it to college. They'll be able to take it through their first job. And there's a good chance they'll be bringing home, you know, your first grandchild in it. It's just going to last that long. Um, and so that's one that I think that, like, you know, if you're thinking about long haul helping your kid out financially, not having to, you know, get a car note first thing um, and that Camry and still have a good, reliable car, that Camry hybrid is definitely going to do it. Um, the best car for teens, thirty dollars to $35,000 is the Nissan Altima. Um, and then the best SUV for thirty dollars to $35,000 is the Kia Sorento Hybrid. Um, again, these are cars that, um, you know, you could buy, drive, commute in, and let the kid use on weekends or, you know, after school. Um, and you're going to enjoy and be comfortable in them, but they're still going to keep um, your kid safe. Uh, the best car for teens, $25,000 to $30,000 is that Hyundai Ioniq Hybrid. Um, and the best SUV, twenty-five dollars to $30,000 is the GMC Terrain. Um, and that's actually the only domestic automaker on the list, um, which is a little bit of a surprise. Um, mm. But when you think about how these categories are all under $40,000 um, and a lot of you know the domestic automakers have um, left some of these lower price categories because they're no longer making small cars. Um, that's why you see them not really um, winning as much as they used to. Even though they do have some good you know safety tech for teens, um, as they focus more on kind of large crossovers, SUVs, and trucks, they're unable to compete because they simply don't have a small car you know that costs twenty five to thirty thousand um, dollars. And then in the final category, the best car for teens, twenty to twenty five thousand dollars, is the Hyundai Elantra Hybrid. And the best SUV for teens, twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars, is the Hyundai Kona. Um, and you know, the Kona is one. It's a it's a great small crossover, um, and it's one that gives you know teens a little bit of that upright driving position. That since everybody else on the road is in an SUV, can help them get a little bit better visibility. Um, but again, like both of the, both the Elantra Hybrid and the Hyundai Kona are really just packed with these active safety features. Um, so while the kids shouldn't rely on them. If they make a mistake, these features can step in um, and potentially prevent an accident. Jamie, I've got a quick question for you. And by the way, I, I, I'm a big fan of this list, and I love the Kona. Uh, and I think that's a great kid car, largely for what you talked about. Visibility is great, and it's short and easy to park, which matters <laughs> so much yeah. when, when kids are first learning. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, though, as to why the GMC Terrain made the list and not the Chevrolet Equinox, as those cars are virtually twins. Yeah, you know, sometimes it just comes down to the um, just comes down to the reviewers, honestly, um, and so it, and it can also come down to as well, um, you know, because we are reliant on um, other reviewers getting their reviews out. Um, in some cases, if we don't have safety for a car, like safety data, or if we don't have enough review data, we can't include it. Um, but in the case of the terrain, um, it was just that reviewers liked it slightly better. And I mean, that's to, you know just a, a little kind of inside baseball here. We actually typically see that with Chevy and GMC um, when they really? have very similar products because, well, reviewers, you know, GMCs tend to be a little bit nicer on the inside, mm. a little bit more luxurious. Um, and, you know, us automotive journalists, we like to be comfortable. We like the heat of <laughs> seat, We like the leather. Um, you know, GMC has all that, and so people tend to recommend them just slightly higher. But certainly, you know, if, if, if you're looking for something just slightly less expensive, um, you know, the, the Equinox is a good option there. Excellent. Jamie, we're almost out of time, but I'd like you to walk us through the used cars real quick. All right, going to go real quick. This we do a little bit differently. We do it by the by the class by the class size. 
for the best large car for teens is the 2017 Toyota Avalon. Uh, The best midsize used car for teens is the 2018 Honda Accord. The best midsize used SUV for teens is the 2017 Toyota Highlander. The best used small car for teens is the 2018 Toyota Corolla. And the best small SUV for teens is the 2017 Toyota RAV4. And we include the model years in here, again, because we're looking for the available safety features. Now, the good news for parents is when we first started doing these awards, the used cars, frankly, didn't have a lot of the safety features that the new cars did. Now we're at a point where these types of features have been common for many, many years. In fact, it's hard for us on the new car side to sometimes differentiate a winner because everybody has kind of the same feature score. But you can look at, you know, a 2018 Honda Accord and you can get lane keeping assist. You can get blind spot monitoring. As a shopper, you know, with the used cars, they may not be standard. So you have to be very careful and check that the car that you're looking at actually has the features that you want. Um, But these are all great options. And I mean, in the case of like the average Accord, you know, almost all of these, again, these are like those cars where get them for your kid, they'll drive them to college, they'll drive them after college, and, you know, you'll probably see it in your driveway again if the kid moves back into your basement. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie, we're flat out of time, but we really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. The pleasure was ours. That is Jamie Page Deaton with U.S. News. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, it's quiz time. Stick around. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Opel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, and I'm grateful that you're sticking around with us today. Hey, Jill. Hey, yeah. Hey, Jill, how folks? Uh, how can folks keep track of your social media activity? Uh, you can find me in several different places. So Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, and all of those are under my name. So Jill Simonello, J-I-L-L-C-I-M-I-N-I-L-L-O. Not to be confused with spelling Mississippi there with all those eyes, but Jill Simonello, and um, I use the hashtag Car du Jour. Um, and, and actually on YouTube, I have a channel that I call Car du Jour. So that's how you can find all me. Right. Damon, you have an advice column at edatingsitefarmersonly.com. What's going on there? (laughs) That is a thing, isn't it? Farmers Only? That actually exists? Have you ever looked at it? No, but the commercials are really insulting. Where are their commercials? During Gunsmoke? What what do you watch in the evening? I, I, I don't watch enough of those uh, MeTV nostalgia shows. I really should do that because I'm sure there's a lot of good ones out there. Yes. That's very good. Uh, no, I'm not familiar. I'm not even familiar with Farmers Only, let alone having any sort of column there. But I am on Twitter at Damon Bell Likes Cars. I guess that's good, too. Sure. All right. <laughs> Uh, I think you guys know that it's quiz time. Uh, Today's quiz is sponsored by Tom on Twitter. If you're not following (laughs) Tom, why are you on Twitter? Uh, (laughs) I just have an update on the quiz here real quick. Jill, Jill, you had a killer run, but then you blew it last week. But your total versus Damon and only versus Damon, it's Jill 10, David 16 with two ties. So this is anyone's. This is anyone's year. (laughs) 
All right. Fun fact, 162 nations and territories make their citizens drive on the wrong side of the road. That's about 30% of the global population. We, of course, as Americans, drive on the right-hand side of the road, as God intended. How well do you know your right-side, left-side nations? It's quiz time. Jill. Uh-oh. Jill. Oh, no. Right okay. side. Okay. Right-hand drive or left-hand drive? Uh, the People's Republic of China. Oh. I feel like Japan is left-hand drive. That's a different I country. I know. <laughs> Same continent. Um, but I don't know. I don't know that China does. I'm, I'm going to say China's right-hand drive. All right, Damon, this question goes to you. China, mainland China, right-hand drive, left-hand drive. Oh, I should really know this. I think China is left-hand drive. All right, final answers. Yeah. Jill is on the board first. Oh. China drives on the right-hand side of the road. Mm. Damon, how about South Africa? Right-hand drive or left-hand drive? Oh my gosh, I'm already getting a bad feeling about this. <laughs> do you know where South Africa is located? I do. It's kind of right in the name. <laughs> um, that was just an icebreaker. I'm going to say left-hand drive in South Africa. Right. South Africa, left-hand drive. Jill, how about you? Uh, I am also going to say left-hand drive because um, because it was populated by or founded by, not founded by, but like colonized by Britain, I think. Well, the Brits left a stamp because you're both correct. Left-hand drive. All right. All right. Two to one in favor to Jill. Jill, this question goes to you. How okay. about India? Ooh. Oh, I could probably use the Britain argument there as well. Um, big country, lots of people. Big country, lots of people. That is probably one of the countries I would be very afraid to drive in. Um, I've seen video. You should be afraid to drive in India. Yeah, yeah I've seen video too. At least um, in the city. At least in the city. Yeah. Um, ooh, that's a tough one. Okay, uh, I've got to pick one, I know. Yep, um, I need an answer. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say left. All right, you're going with left. Damon, this question goes to you. India, right-hand drive or left-hand drive? I think, I think I'm going to agree with Jill and say left. You guys are both correct. It is three to two in favor of Jill. This is close. Coming oh. down to the wire, Damon. Fourth question, Hong Kong. Oh, no. <laughs> Is that what I was thinking of when I thought China could could Hong Kong be left when all the rest of the when China and Japan are both right? So many questions. Uh, uh, this would be just the kind of I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say right hand drive. That seems too improbable that they would be so close and and not be the same. But I could be wrong. I'm still I'm gonna say right hand drive. Okay, uh, Jill, where are you going with this one? Hong Kong. Uh, you know I think actually I'm going to say left again because I again I feel like Britain had a pretty big influence over there. 
Well, I believe you're correct. Britain left Hong Kong, what was it, 1999? They are left-hand drive. Uh, four to two in favor of Jill. Jill has won this one. Blast. We go to question five. Jill, how about the landlocked Republic of Chad? Good grief. Oh, man. Right-hand drive uh, or left-hand drive? This is a total dart against the wall, but I'm going to say right. Okay. Damon, Chad, the Republic of Chad. Mm, I have no idea. Since it doesn't matter anyway, I will try to save face and say left. Well, Jill is correct. It's right-hand drive. Blast. <laughs> Where is Chad? Where is Chad? What is it? It's um, North Central Africa. Okay. Right, Kind of right in the middle. Well, and, and now I have a burning question, too, because I think Japan is um, left-hand drive, and Damon said it was right. Japan? Yeah. When we were having a convert, he said he thought that Japan was, in his rationalization for Hong Kong, he said he thought Japan was right-hand drive. No, Japan's left-hand drive. Okay. Or left-hand drive. should say on the street. I'm sorry. It's right-hand drive. Okay, they drive on the they drive on the left side of the road. That's what we're talking about here. Yes. Oh, I was confused. I was I was I was thinking right hand drive in the car. Oh well. I, I think that was you like making that up just now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't right. it doesn't change the outcome, but no. Uh, Alrighty. Okay. All right, kids, popular in the Philippines, banana ketchup hasn't really caught on here in the U.S., so you can't find it. One of the most popular brands, Jufran, can be found at grocery stores if you look for it. I need to know which of the following ingredients is not found in Jufran banana ketchup. Uh, this question goes to Damon first. Damon, is it banana, tomato, chili, or sugar? Could banana ketchup not have banana in it? <laughs> That would be funny. I, I will say tomato. All right. Jill, this question goes to you. What is not found in Jufran banana ketchup? Banana, and, tomato, and you, chili, or sugar? And you said this was Thai, Thailand, right? Oh, Philippine. Philippine. Because I feel like the Filipinos like their spicy foods. So I would definitely think chili is there. Um, my question would be sugar. Um, I'm, I'm either going to say sugar or ketchup, uh, or I mean tomato, but, uh, isn't the definition of ketchup having tomato? Hmm. I'm going to say sugar. Okay. Damon, what did you say? I said tomato. Damon gets the bonus question. Ah. Correct. Yeah. Jufran banana ketchup does include banana, chili, and sugar. Interesting. Okay. There you go. Banana ketchup. Under tomatoes. Haven't tried it. My daughter has. She says it's weird. There you go. <laughs> what would you put banana ketchup on? That's my question. She's looking for good French fries to try it on. Okay. So there you go. I Again, guess. Yes. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was. Sure. I was just. I guess. Yes. Uh, ketchup not necessarily has to. Ha ketchup doesn't necessarily have to have tomato in it. I guess. No, do you guys, uh, and again, we're going way off the rails here, but, but, <laughs> but one of Heinz's first products was, was something called mushroom catsup, which had nothing to do with tomato. 
So what we need is another spritz bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Call back to the first segment. Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to, you know, go back to the rails off the rails. Uh, no. Second Wait million dollar idea for the day. We need milk, ke- milk ketchup in a sprit bo- spritz bottle for breakfast cereal. There, yes. there you go. Combine it all together. Yes, with bananas. <laughs> with bananas. And this is why we need a script. All right. Uh, <laughs> hey, Damon. Yes. Damon, what's going on this week at the CG Daily Drive blog? No banana ketchup content, but we do yet, have yet. yet, yet, yes. Who knows what the future will bring? Uh, we've got we got three good reviews this week. Two of them hybrids. Uh, we have a test drive review of the 2021 Hyundai. I'm sorry, 2022 redesigned for 2022 Hyundai Tucson Limited Hybrid. Hmm. Uh, that's Hyundai's redesigned compact SUV. SUV. First time that vehicle offers a hybrid and a plug-in hybrid version is just around the corner as well and i would have to say that the hybrid might be the best version of uh, this new tucson uh very radical styling on that vehicle as well let let Uh, me just jump in here because up until this vehicle i haven't been a very big fan of korean hybrids Uh, i just didn't think they worked as as smoothly or as, as well integrated as they should have but this one is exceptionally good Definitely, yeah, and and I'm not a hundred percent on board with the radical styling of the Tucson, but the way it drives, uh, yeah, I had one at, at, in my uh, California vacation recently. Uh, it's it's hard to argue with how smooth it is. Uh, also, a smooth hybrid. Uh, we've got a full test drive of the 2021. Toyota Sienna Platinum All-Wheel Drive. Now, with their redesign for 2021, all Siennas are hybrid. You can't get a non-hybrid Sienna. Also, a very nice uh, hybrid powertrain and a fantastic highway cruiser. I took this on a long road trip this summer, and my driving range the other benefit of having a hybrid powertrain and a good sized gas tank, outstanding highway driving range. I was comfortably mm-hmm. above, like I, in excess of like 550 miles, which is awesome when you don't have to stop for gas. Uh, and you're, you'll have to pee before you have to fill up the car with <laughs> gas. I can, I can echo that. Is that the benchmark of a good highway vehicle? That, I think that, it's one of them. You have to you have to pee before filling up. You with don't gas. have to stop for gas, but as long as you stop to pee, you might as well get some gas. That, yeah, yes. that'd be a great tagline for the car. You'll have to stop before the car does. I'm a little <laughs> unprepared for this conversation, but I recently took the uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee L to visit my daughter away at school, and that has a monster gas tank. So even though it was equipped with the V8, and my overall mileage was about 17 miles per gallon, <laughs> it would go forever on the highway because I think the gas tank's about. 22 gallons. Oh, oh wow. gosh. Which you definitely notice when it comes time to fill it up. Oh, you, yeah. Yes. Paint at the pump. Right. Uh, good question <laughs> for you guys, though, about minivans. So we just talked uh-huh. about the Sienna. That segment is so small, and everything in that segment is noteworthy. Mm-hmm. I, even though Consumer Guide will pick a Best Buy in that category this year, we did for 2021 and we will for 2022, um, I, I think it is important that everyone who's looking for a minivan test drive everything in the category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, and they're all, pretty much all of them are really, really good. 
Yeah, they yeah. are, and the, and the Sienna, which it, it misses some of the amenities. And I wish the interior was just a little bit nicer, but but it's it's hard not to love that hybrid powertrain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a little less powerful, but 35 miles per gallon. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, well, and, and, and I and. and Honestly, honestly, the Platinum model is not wanting for much in terms of, of comfort Amenities, features. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because we, we took this on a road trip as well. We drove to Duluth um, so that I could do Tom's favorite activity, which is running. And uh -huh. um, I, both my husband and I were able to drive it, and we were above 30 miles per gallon the entire way, and neither of us were driving 55. And so, like, usually when they do the fuel economy, tests it's for like 55 miles per hour and the speed limit up to Duluth is much higher than that so um, I was really impressed and, and the first on the way there yeah we had to stop the pee before we needed to stop for gas <laughs> just a, just a quick note at 1435 into the third segment Jill confesses to a crime okay go ahead. <laughs> uh, the, the, the crime of, of running half marathons I know <laughs> well, I was thinking about not driving 55, but we could we could discuss. No, no, that I later. said the speed limit. The speed limit was was higher, so oh. that's why we weren't driving 55. <laughs> the speed there limit is go. like 70, 75. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I want to I want to I want to squeeze this in too. <laughs> what do you What do you guys think about oversized nostril grills on no. cars? I, I know where you're we, going with this, and the answer is no. <laughs> We've got a te nostrils, oh, nostril oh, grills. Or beaver yes. teeth is what uh, a lot of people like to call it. Beaver teeth is a good other way yeah. to describe it. Uh, we, we have a test drive review of the redesigned for 2021 BMW 4 Series Coupe. And that is a notorious vehicle since its launch for its... We'll say polarizing front end styling. It's got good, good phraseology. Polarizing uh, the the oversized grill nostrils that that BMW the characteristic BMW split grill uh, got uh, way upsized for this redesign and. Uh, <laughs> Polarizing is the best way to describe it. Beaver teeth is another way it's been described. But the vehicle we had was the 430i X-Drive, which is all-wheel drive. That's uh, X-Drive is BMW's name for that. And it's the base four-cylinder model, but a very uh, healthy four-cylinder engine, but not quite as athletic in our experience as, as you might no. expect the BMW to be. Hmm. No, you would expect a base model BMW to be just light on its feet, you know, mm -hmm. not a rocket perhaps, but but engaging. And somehow I found this car a very uninteresting commuter. I don't know why. Now, when you hit the highway, everything changes, but but around town, really not fun. Hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to, to, to drive that one. I know there are hotter versions of it, but yes, you would hope that even the base uh, BMW Coop, right. nonetheless, right. Would, right. would be athletic. Yes, right. right. I, I, I have this coming there. up, and I will. I will take everything you guys said with a grain of salt, and we'll see what happens. No, no, no. Not You're right. taking it under advisement. Oh, under thing. advisement. Got it. <laughs> Not a grain of salt. Under advisement. Yes. All right, we're out of time, kids. Special thanks to Jamie Page Deaton of U.S. News for joining us today. Thank you, Jill. Thank you, Damon. Big thanks to producer Lady B and the good folks here at WCPT AM820 in Chicago. And after today, bigger thanks to Lady B 
because we made a total mess of the show earlier on. Uh, <laughs> big thanks to my friends Steve and Johnny. If you want to be added to the Car Stuff mailing list, and you do, drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast. I have an idea. Let's talk more about cars again next week.